You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, AJ Pritchett. Wait, I'm usual now? That's right. Brian McCubbin. Hey, what's up, everybody? David Hall. Hey, Greg, did you pay your rent? Greg Hectus. Hashtag rent free. And Tony Gross. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey. Well, today's show, Evan Pasoko will be joining us to cover the Coke Series race at Auto Club. We'll recap, recap a great day at Sebring for some Tifosi teammates and our impressions on the NIS on Bristol Dirt. Also, remember that you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show to see yourself and all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder is also a great resource to find paint designers and race commentators. Recently, they've been adding some great articles discussing various aspects of running leagues and sim racing in general. GridFinder is constantly adding helpful content and giving us all the more reason to visit www.grid-finder.com. Visit it to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com First-time winner... Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaked. And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garillo. Going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough. And Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Hey guys, uh, thanks for for having me on, and uh, sorry about being uh, a couple minutes behind. A busy day today, but uh, excited to talk about a, an exciting race we had this week. Well, it was. It was uh, California, um, and I guess I'll start calling it the old configuration, because supposedly we'll have a, a new one here uh, coming up, so this might be the last race we've run on it. Yeah, there's a chance. I know that we had the the track president as our uh, you know our, our grand marshal and our kind of pre race guest. We were able to, to tape an interview with him and, and play that on the show. And we still don't know exactly when they're going to take the bulldozer to it and and decide to go from the the big track to the little track. Um, so it is a good chance, maybe, um, that it was the last race there. I think with it not getting an actual date that we may just see it one more year, but uh, soon enough, it'll be legacy Fontana. And uh, that's kind of a shame to think about because the racing was, was fantastic. Yeah. We got to look at the, I guess we'll call it the dynamic track, multiple groove thing. Um, some from changes uh, here recently in 2021 that iRacing have made. Let's talk about the race though. Uh, first up, you know, clean and green uh, by lap 10, it was Keegan Leahy leading Mitchell DeJong. Uh, it was about six, seven car lengths. Um, Mike Conti in third. 
they were about four wide for a couple of laps there in the middle of the pack. Uh, free falling through the field was Ryan Luza after he caught the wall after a block from Nick Ottinger. Uh, Luza started 10th and is on the outside of the top 20 on lap 13 now. Uh, the leaders uh, pits lap 22. That was a surprise. Leahy under green. Yeah, that came out of nowhere, right? Um, and he was really the only driver to go that off on the strategy, right? The race would, would kind of turn into a two different strategy option, the two stoppers um, and the one stoppers. And Keegan opted to, he didn't go for a three. I mean, he wasn't totally different, but he uh, went so early uh, as opposed to kind of cutting the race into thirds that um, at times it looked like an awful call. At other times it looked like it could be, um, I, I forget who we, we jumped on with the radio there, but one of the drivers said that it could be a big brain move, right? And he kind of outsmarted the field. So we didn't really know when that happened at lap 20 um, if anybody else was going to go with him. But, uh, you know, he's a race winner. And I, I'm willing to bet you guys Keegan doesn't do that last year, um, you know, where it's not win in, you're in. But because he's already got a W this year, these are the, uh, the kind of things he can do. Yeah, and it was uh, interesting. Uh, set up the fuel mileage uh, right off the bat. Uh, so lap 26 and beyond, it was Bobby Zelensky, uh, Nick Ottinger, Mike Conti, basically a casual three-wide racing for the lead, um, sw- you know, swapping back and forth the spots. Um, and then regular stops were happening about the third mark. It looks like uh, 14 drivers had still yet to pit by lap 43. Yeah, and those were the drivers that were going to push it um, to the one-stopper, right? So so K- take Keegan out of the equation. Um, there was a two-strategy race. There was the two-stopper, which is you come in at about 33, so the one-third distance, then you, you were going to come in somewhere near lap 66 towards the end of the race. That'll be your second stop, um, and you're good to go to the end. And then there were the drivers that were trying to push it to halfway, and, and we thought that, that maybe it would be a little bit tough not necessarily fuel-wise to get to the end. It would require a little bit of saving, but uh, you know we didn't know how the tires were going to hold up, and, and that ended up not being an issue. I don't know how many drivers maybe waited to see. The fact that we were green to that point, I think, played a huge factor in how many drivers, you know, you mentioned about 14 or so, that wanted to stretch it to that halfway point and, and hadn't pitted after you know the first 44-some-odd laps of the race. But um, it, it worked out to where this race was very fluid and allowed some drivers, you know, from the mid-teens, kind of mid-pack, to, to all of a sudden find themselves in a pretty good spot. Yep. Um, so the next part of the race uh, was basically green flag cycle, uh, the stop cycle. Uh, Matt Busa was leading. Blad, Blade Whit unlaps himself, and all 40 were back on the lead lap. Uh, Derek Justice uh, took over control as well for a while. And then we got to see a, a neat segment where you showed uh, Isaac Gann um, getting spotted by uh, David Childhouse uh, from Parker Kligerman. And we got to watch them for a couple laps and just kind of see the, the driver-spotter communication. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we tell everybody about what's happening uh, with, the, with the drivers and the spotters and the teams. And you know, we have Justin report on it, and we, and we get some of the uh, recorded audio. Uh, but we hadn't been able to take it live, right? I mean, sometimes we did it on restarts. I believe we've done it in the past, but we uh, obviously planned this ahead of time to to make sure that we had a camera with with David. And uh, I, I guess short lived because David, uh, I think they just announced today, David's going to be moving over to spot uh, for the seventy seven car, and and it's going to switch. So David's going to go um, 
and, and basically they're going to swap uh, between Gan and Bryant. But uh, it's a cool insight right? Um, to see how much happens outside of, and it's the point I made on the broadcast, outside of just Carlo, car high, but it's that other stuff. Uh, you know, what lane is this guy running? How far back? What's the lap times for somebody like a Keegan, right, on a different pitch strategy coming through the field? Uh, saves the driver a lot of stress when the driver doesn't have to be looking at his relative and calculating this on your own when you got a spotter that can do more than, than just spot. And that's what he was doing. He was watching Keegan and giving him – uh, you know, how fast he's coming up through there and that kind of thing. Um, it was interesting for sure. So 48 to go. It was Bob Bryant, the final driver to pit for the first green flag pitch cycle. He might be good to make it to the rest of the way, it was said. Uh, 47 to go. Keegan Lee, he is back into the lead uh, after that cycle. But only four laps later, he pits from the lead again, and which uh, <clears throat> about, I don't know, maybe eight laps later, opened the floodgates for all those two-stoppers and they start pouring in. And that was the weird point where I think it was Conti went a little bit earlier, right? So you had Keegan obviously pit all on his own because he was the only driver to pitted, you know, a fifth of the way through the race. And we're kind of waiting on everybody else to get to 66. And all of a sudden, Conti kind of splits that difference and then comes in about a dozen laps earlier than what we were expecting. We saw, you just mentioned with guys like Bob Bryant going as many, I think, as like 53 or so laps on that first run that well, you can pit with 40 to go. That's not going to be anywhere near an issue on fuel. The question was, is that the right call, right? Because they gave up a lot of time to Keegan first cycle. In theory, you're going to want to run your strategy out and try to use that advantage. And, you know, it comes back on the back foot where you then you have the advantage tire-wise and try to make up the track position that guys like Keegan got on you initially. And it didn't end up working, right, for Michael Conte. He ends up behind, I think, a lot of the drivers in the end of this race that he was running with. I still feel like that wasn't a planned call. I feel like he kind of called an audible there and followed after Keegan. But you're right. Once Keegan comes in, everybody's thinking, all right, this could be it to the end now. We're fine. Then Michael comes in, and there was about maybe a, a four-lap buffer, and then people started trickling down. The bulk of the car still decided for the two stoppers to come in at about lap 66-ish. Um, but certainly it was a lot less uniform on the second cycle of the green flag pit stops as opposed to earlier in the race where all those two stoppers came in within about three laps of each other. Yeah, and uh, Keegan Lee was 19 seconds back from Derek Justice, uh, who was on the one-stopper. Uh, 33 to go, Bobby Zielinski pits from the lead, Mitchell DeJong and Logan Clampett also pit. Keegan Leahy's within 10 seconds of the lead with 30 laps to go. Uh, Bob Bryant was on kill, though. The driver's one of the two drivers of pit past that halfway mark. The other was Malik Ray. Yeah, he was good, right? I mean, all he, all he had to do was hit 50, um, and he was going to be fine to the end. He went like 53, right? So, in theory, Bob probably did a little bit of saving on that first run. Um, so, yeah, that was the quote, right? Full kill. He could just go out. You had Malik Ray also. And there was other drivers. I mean, it was a good number of cars, that were on the one-stop strategy. Um, I, you know, I don't think it was as many as the two, but it was pretty close, right? It wasn't like it was just a, a ragtag group of five and they were kind of going rogue. I mean, the one-stop strategy was a pretty good one, but I think that Bob being able to go that much longer than everybody else in the first run meant that while he wasn't having to save, I think most of the other drivers were saving about as much as they were in the first run, and that's why I think that 77 was able to separate himself um, from the majority of the cars that he had kind of been running around in, in the first half of the race. And then from that point up front, 22 to go, Bob 
leads Derek Justice, Isaac Gann. They're the front runners um, on that one-stop strategy. But the tires have le- leveled off at this point, and Leahy isn't coming anymore. He's basically running the same lap times. And so it was really down to those three as it stayed green, and it did. And so Bob Bryant uh, picks up his first career NASCAR Coke uh, race uh, win at uh, California. And I had to make sure because, uh, you know, you hear Bob Bryan, it's a name that's been around for so long. The fact that this is still only his second year in this series, right? So it's only his, uh, you know, made 20-something start um, to get the job done and, and get the race win. Um, for a guy that's been around for so long, I'm like, there's no way it's only a second year, right? But of course, uh, just had never gotten um, to the Coke series. And there was other guys real close, right? Derek Justice, Isaac Gann were right there. Those are guys as well uh, looking to break into victory lane. But uh, Bob, I think, is one of the most popular drivers on the grid amongst the dri- uh, amongst you know the, the field of competitors, if you will. Um, so it's cool to, to see a first-time winner come out of that one. I know that we had seen Eric Smith get his first career win here in Fontana a couple of years back when that was a night race, and um, that's, that's, I think, why I'm always a fan of races like this, right? Caution-free uh, for all 200 miles um, allows somebody from the mid-pack, because Bob started past you know 20th spot. I think he was in the back half of the field uh, on the grid, and was able to drive his way not only through the field, but also make the right strategy call to go on to get the win. So that was real cool to see for the 77. And all of a sudden, we've got five different race winners in five different weeks, right? That's the streak that the Cup Series has got going through seven, I think now, six, seven weeks. And we've uh, we've held it through five. Um, so it was a pretty impressed uh, with the job Bob did and, and good to see him get a win. And, and he earned it. I mean, he, oh, yeah. Derek and Isaac were there to keep him honest totally. And he had to beat those two guys, and he did. But how about uh, rookies, Derek and Isaac? I mean, uh, Isaac is just on fire. He's doing real good, right? I mean, I just talked about uh, the bit of a change there that's going to happen with the spotting situation. So a hell of a different spotter from David Shieldhouse next week. But it was a great night um, all in all. Uh, for Kligerman Sport, of course, the story coming out of Atlanta was it was such a good night for Burton or, or such a good night for William Byron Esports, I should say. But Kligerman Sport had a real good night out, and you know it, it makes us uh, val it validates us, if you will, when we say at the start of the year, you know, quarter of the field's rookies. Um, don't be surprised if they bring it to some of the vets, right? And and up front in the race, it, it was the big names, right? It was the Leahy's and, and the Conti's up there, but even a guy like John Gorlinski, right? I mean, just behind Justice and Ken, obviously, a very different story in, in terms of how long they've been around at this level compared to those guys in second and third, but seeing a guy like Gorlinski get back up um, and into a fourth-place finish shows that if these races can go green and you can allow some of that strategy in where they're saving on fuel, and obviously that's, I think, what made the difference for Bob Bryant was being able to get that little bit extra out of the first half to drive it hard to the end you had a guy like Gorlinski um, who was able to maintain throughout the whole race I think that it allows some of these drivers who aren't a fan of the way this car drives still um, to, to actually have some you know driver input where that experience um, can come into play yeah great video of showing Bob uh, at the checker uh, happy and jubilant um, but also there was a great video of Parker Kligerman uh, at the end of the race uh, going crazy and uh, being real happy as a team owner. Um, And then iRacing showed off the dynamic track with some of that side-by-side that we saw uh, throughout the night. Yeah, I think that multi-groove racing, um, that iRacing 
brought back or, or reinstituted. I mean, I, I know it's not exactly what it was like before, but it does the job, right? Um, we talked about it in Atlanta with drivers working up top and, and even here in Fontana where um, you, you're right, that video of that three-way battle for the race lead that you were talking about, um, that was kind of right after Leahy dropped down pit road between uh, Zelensky and Conti and Ottinger, I think those three, right? I mean, Middle, bottom, high, cross it over, tuck it in line, doing everything they could. Um, it's fun. Um, unfortunately, for my sake, I can never feel what the multiple grooves are like because I'm no good. Um, so I rely on on watching the guys on track on Tuesdays to to show it off. And and I think that you know when we heard that this was going to be instituted, we kind of saw it in the build notes. Everybody immediately thought of places like Homestead. Um, and some of the other tracks where you're you're more so used to seeing those multiple grooves, but to be able to have those options, I think mostly across the board um, is going to be cool, right? I think that was a throwback to to some of the 2016 racing that we saw um, with the the lower downforce and higher horsepower package, and with the full dynamic track where drivers were able to go all over the place. I think it was um, obviously a right call. I know that iRacing is going to continue to tweak it. They've made tweaks since it came out initially. I know Atlanta was modified before the race and whatnot but um i think uh they nailed it on the head and the drivers have been, had great feedback they've been the ones pushing right to get this back they want to be able to do more than just a parade in one line and uh the driver feedback is is the biggest indicator to me that iRacing's done it right because from everything i saw on you know twitter and facebook after the race on tuesday uh, they seem thrilled with how it drove. At least the guys in the top half of the field. Guys in the back half didn't have as much fun. But All right. I was peeking at the points. Boy, it's early in the season, but I want to take a look. And I think the big thing that jumps out at me is, boy, uh, Ray Alfala 39th out of 40. Yeah, it's just it has not been good. And somebody like an Ashton Crowder as well, who's way down there. Um, you know, you got both of the Richmond Raceway guys in, in Mullis and Novak, but there were some positive steps, right? Somebody like a Gorolinski in the top five tonight. He moves up to 27th in the points, not where he wants to be, um, but still maybe i don't know if it's too early but maybe starting to think uh you know just trying to stay in this series although all you're going to be is top 20 and get one win right so that changes the dynamic um but yeah i mean ray's just just off this year and you know guys like crowder reynolds um then i would have thought we'd see more of even a grand bowl and 24th um pretty surprising to me so i i know it's early on but it is really tough to dig yourself out of a hole. And I think that that win in you're in is going to save somebody. I think we're going to have, you know, top 20 is the number. So somebody like a Hurst or a Lion or a Matheson who normally would be thinking, I need to be top 20 to stay in this series for next year. They're going to be thinking, I need to be there to get a win um, to advance myself to the postseason. I think we'll see one driver um, kind of take that option and, and be the surprise entry and, and see if they can make some noise when they get into that 10 driver playoff later this year but um for all the downs of those drivers as well there's been a lot of drivers i've been impressed with uh steven wilson up there matt busa uh with a return to form as well uh zach nichols and isaac Gann, all top 20 cars so um unfortunately for there to be good stories there's going to be bad stories right we can't fit all 40 uh in the top 20 so um yeah it's it's tough for guys like ray and that and and we'll see if if five races is enough of an indication um, to see, you know, are these guys really that behind? 
um, or if we'll continue to learn more, but it's certainly not looking good. All right. Uh, two weeks from now, we got Richmond. Um, what do you uh, expect to see um, upcoming on Richmond? I think this is the one question mark that's left, right? We haven't had a short track yet. We've gone to Daytona, Homestead, Vegas, Atlanta, Auto Club. We've tried out all the different big tracks. Haven't really tried a short track yet, right? And, and this is more so where the drivers can get away a little bit more with, with not having the set, right? I mean, you can know pretty quick uh, when we get to Kansas the week after Richmond, if, if your team missed the mark on the setup, you're going to know pretty quick. You're going to feel that handicap at Richmond. You can get away with it a little bit more. Um, it's going to be a race that uh, I am not putting money on going caution free uh, like Auto Club was. And, and I think that's the one question mark left. After that, we'll have a sampling of a little bit of everything but a road course race. Um, and then if I don't see improvements from the guys outside of the top 25, top 30, then, you know, if they, if they don't have it on the short tracks, then you're looking at, you know, already nearly halfway through the regular season hard to believe uh you know that we're flying by nearly at that point already but that's the one question mark is is what do these teams have on a short track package and we'll learn that in two weeks okay very good uh, it was a great race um evan pasoko thanks for coming on and telling us all about it and we'll see you then yeah i appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on chat uh, every week guys we'll catch you next time topics is the Porsche Super Cup. Uh, this past Saturday was round eight of the Porsche Tag Heuer Super Cup series and they were at the Nürburgring at the Nordschleife circuit. And uh, so uh, the first uh, in the first uh, sprint session was won by uh, S Sebastian Job takes the win in that. Uh, he out outpaced um, Josh Rogers to take second in the sprint race. And in the feature race, it, the win goes back to Josh Rogers again. Um, so uh, Josh Rogers with uh, with the feature win, man, he has taken a huge lead in that series, 127 points, which is almost two race worth, two races worth of points. So with two races to go, this this thing is pretty much wrapped up. I mean, he would actually just have to not show up for two weeks, and somebody else have to do really well. But it's pretty much wrapped up. Josh Rogers has a pretty much pretty much near into insurmountable lead it's there's really not much else anybody can do um it was a really interesting race of course you know the the north life is that huge circuit um it's kind of weird to see you know a three lap race but uh yeah it still takes you know 25 minutes to run three laps almost um uh, there was an interesting point where uh, Sebastian Job and and Josh Rogers were moving up through the field in the in the heat race or the feature race, and uh, Sebastian Job blew a motor, which was very unusual in these Porsche cars. Um, he was cresting a hill, and uh, they thought something with him downshifting coming up to this crest of the hill caused it to uh, to blow his motor, which is very odd. But yeah, it was a, it was a really good race, and. Uh, I'm always impressed how well these guys know this circuit being such a long circuit. Too much tape, maybe? No, no, it wasn't it wasn't a temperature thing. It was it was something to do with that jump. I don't know if uh, the the announcers were uh, saying that 
maybe maybe had something to do with him downshifting in midair and revving it up too high and then landing and you know all the torque hitting the wheels that is kind of an oddball thing though i have actually seen a meatball from going over the wrong sausage curb in in the prototype cars before but that i've never seen anything with the with any of this the actual gt cars I missed that race, but I did get to see the one before it, though. That was interesting. Uh, Dave Cam won. Yeah, Dave Cam, he the win in the first sprint series race, the the, the initial race. And uh, he was doing really well in the uh, in the main feature, too, before he uh, he actually got into a, a self-spin deal. So, uh, um, so he didn't win the second race. Dave Cam won the first. And then Jimmy Broadbent actually wound up taking the victory in the main feature of the uh, Porsche All-Star race, which is, uh, again, very good racing. Um, those guys really know that track as well. Um, Tony Kanan was back in it again this week. He didn't fare so well. I think he got to uh, to an incident where that uh, slowed him up. Um, uh, it was uh, it was quite interesting. At the end of the race, uh, Jimmy Broadbent was on a uh, post-race interview after his win, and, and he was you could see how excited he was about that. He was he was really excited to win that race. It's been a good series. Uh, yeah, it looks like Josh Rogers is sitting pretty, though. So talking um, of the prototypes, me and Greg did get to run the 12 hours of Sebring, Sebring this weekend, and we brought home another endurance race podium. All right. P3, huh? Yeah, it was uh, me, you, and Richie there, uh, Richie Hearn. Um, it was an interesting race. I mean, David, we had some... Uh, we had some issues during it. Richie had the worst luck at the end there. We were running P2 about 20, I think it was 26 seconds ahead of the next place guy and keeping the gap. And uh, a GTE got wide on the first turn, hit the grass and came across in front of Richie and he had nowhere to nowhere to go. Um, nice thing about these cars is the front clips, the back clip <clears throat> and the, uh, the wing can be replaced on down pit road. It just costs time. Um, and uh, it cost us 32 seconds, and we uh, we ended up losing out um, because of that. Yeah, I got hit twice in in uh, my four stints or two stints, whichever way you want to count it. Uh, I had a GT3 actually spin going into the horseshoe behind me and run into me uh on early and it cost cost the rear ring damage about 20 seconds of damage we had to go ahead and fix and then at some point i had a gt3 that decided he wanted to let me buy so he he pulled out a line in the in Le Mans, which is the s's and then just slammed on the brakes in a place where you would not expect it and i plowed right into him and had to had to fix 30 seconds of damage again but um that you know, that was one of those woulda, coulda, shouldas. Might have had the win, but it was still good to to have those problems and still bring home the podium. I think the worst part of it, David, is when guys let you buy. That I've noticed in, in these endurance, and I know obviously the team chat it comes into a lot of it, but they don't give you a heads up when they're doing it. They just slow, and you never get the oh, you know, go inside, go outside. Yeah, and it's well. You know, when you get in these endurance races and there's a lot less experience, when you're the slower car, you want to run the racing line until the fast car is beside you. Until then, never take the other line because he's pr- because that LMP is not going to be able to predict what you do. So you run, 
if I'm the GT car instead of the LMP, I run the S's until he gets beside me. Then if he gets beside me and I have to brake a little early, that's okay, but, but that doesn't mean we're going to wreck. But you know, but this guy, he decided to go ahead and try to go out wide and and slam on the brakes. But one of the ways that I usually pass GTs is I'll go out, I'll go out wide and then cut under him on exit. So I went out wide too and just drove right into him. Now I was watching the the forums and stuff to see what kind of things might go wrong with a big event. But that was the thing, guys. There, nothing did go wrong that I saw. Everything was smooth as silk. I don't even know. Did you see what the numbers were for that time slot, David, when you went, signed up? No, it was uh, like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, so it's, you know, it, it had a good turnout. We uh, the, the best part about ours is we had all three classes, too. So we had GTEs and GT3s with us as well, being in the LMP2. So that makes the racing a lot more interesting and in who you're coming up in uh, to lap or, um, you know, being lapped too, because we were consistently one lap down most of that race. The leader was just got ahead early and maintained it. We were f- just as fast. You just couldn't get it back. I think, I think Tony knows how many drivers they had, though. Oh, well, I don't have a calculator here, so I can't really add them up. Um, but we do have uh, stats from... Uh, Rob Crouch, he put them up for, I guess, all the cars that were uh, that were running this thing. And, uh, yeah, there, there, was, there was a lot. So um, the Delara car had 3,100 drivers. And the GTE was 3,800 drivers. And 2,000 drivers for the GTD. So, you know, add those up together. There's a lot of guys. A lot of, a lot of people were racing. Lots of teams. Um, All and, right. Well, you know, the, the, big, uh, the big takeaway for this one here is, like, this, this past event was the most amount of participation that they've had, uh, well, at least uh, since 2016 when um, they've got stats uh, for anyhow. So a lot of that inexperience, like you were talking, David, um, some of the neat stats that he, he uh, tracks is drivers who completed the most laps. Uh, Ivan Marino, 384. Holy cow. I think David did the most on ours. I think it was 100 and I want to say 130 something. Yeah, the race was a 400 and change, right? Or some, somewhere, in, somewhere in the 400. 386, I, I think, is what we completed. I think 387 was the actual amount. So under 400, yeah. That, so that guy ran a race by himself then, pretty much. You know what's crazy about Rob with this one here is, like, he's got each split broken down and gives stats on each split, and that's in each, you know, of the different cars. Right, as well as who finished podium. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really neat visual way to look at the what happened on the event. Um, you know, I didn't even run it, but I can look at these forum posts and, and come away with a good idea of what happened. All right, that brings us back to AJ with the Twitch video. Yes, we got to thank Garrett Streets for this one, He's sending in um, a video from uh, Bacho Grande. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm botching that. Uh, John Bacho, uh, an iRacing streamer who is legally blind 
and picked up his first win. So I have this video up. I have to watch it real quick, guys. I, I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> it was interesting for sure. The, he's running a Mazda Cup race, uh, and he's pretty new to the service. And uh, he's got a nice lead, like eight seconds uh, over the guy behind him. And he realizes, you know, he just has to bring it home here in the final lap. And uh, he starts losing it. He starts crying a little bit, and he's a little upset. But uh, it's interesting to see the emotion, for sure. I love it. So is he – I'm trying to find some information on it. Is he completely blind, or is he just – is it just a certain part of his vision's gone? Legally blind tends to mean that you're just – your, your vision's so blurry, impaired that it's you can't that you can't as blurry. But he probably can still see shapes and and position. It's probably just really hard to read letters and it, it, there's different degrees. And I don't know the exact definition, but so, it has. I actually did find the answer to this question, Greg. It says here, I have a rare degenerative eye disease called retinous pigmentosa, which has left me with less than ten degrees of central vision. I also have terrible low light vision. So bravo for him. Like that's, that's awesome. There's, there's a lot of people on, on this sim that I, we think are blind when they're driving. <laughs> this guy's out there proving us all right. He's doing a great job out there. I congrats on him for getting his first win. Cause we all know how this first win, how special the first win is. Some people this, go a long time without a win. Yeah. Being legally blind, I'm, I'm almost certain he cannot drive a real car, but he can win races and I race, which is, Fantastic. What a great story. Well, he's got 25,000 views on Twitch. Let's get him some more. Uh, Bacho underscore Grande at Twitch. Okay, let's talk uh, releases and patches and hotfixes. The first one was the new UI, um, which doesn't have any downtime when they update it, but they did release some release notes. Uh, AI is now up to 10 car makes in a single session versus I think it was seven before. Um, it'd be interesting if they ever raised the rate when you, you know, like official racing to 10 instead of seven. So they're saying you can host with 10? You can Is AI the, with 10. Oh, AI. Well, so obviously they found a way that they're not using the, because it's usually memory is what causes all that, doesn't it? It's the reason they weren't doing it is the amount of memory that needs to do to put extra cars on the track. So obviously they're finding a way around it. So maybe it's not long until we actually have it. I don't know. I mean, it could be that I think the car limit is because they don't want to have people with crappy computers, not be able to race. And so they, they have a limit because of that. And so by increasing the limit with AI only, then that allows people with better computers to at least do it. Um, the people with the crappier computers might not be able to, I don't know. It also might not require the same amount of resources to run a larger number of cars just at, on a host machine instead of across the internet. Yeah. Because it's not just, it's having to calculate, not a whole lot of graphics, but it's having to calculate the collision boxes for every car that's on the track and send that data over the net. Broadcast policy is now available in the UI, and that's been updated. I haven't really got my thumb on exactly what's changed but there's some verbiage in there that basically says iRacing reserves the right to not let people broadcast certain official racing or special events. I don't know what it's all about yet. But I have noticed like uh, 
you know, the Coke series and stuff and, and these big events that they do, you used to be able to go in and ghost it or spectate it, but you can't do that anymore. They're like, you know, they've blocked that somehow. Probably just preventing any future problems happening with, you know, who knows what could go on if we join in there and disrupt the service somehow, you know, never know if code breaks or something like that. Okay. And a few other changes I'm not going to detail. And then Brian, we got a patch a day later. Yeah. So the very next day they did another, uh, downtime, zero downtime deployment, which, uh, added a couple more things like, uh, for example, the banner, the UI now shows the total laps completed by members and total members online and top status bar. So that was something I always tended to look at in the website. And uh, so now it's on the uh, UI. Um, so that's a pretty cool deal. Um, under the uh, member info, the, under the driver tab, the old paint shop components has now been replaced with the brand new 3D model viewer. So that's a, that's a pretty cool deal, too. There's some other other issues uh, with uh, the store go to store down, drop down option when viewing a pending or current running session. Uh, so uh, that was pretty much the big gist of this second deployment. Uh, and then I guess we'll call it a third deployment or deployment, even though this was actually just patched too. Um, this included adding Venmo as an available method of payment. Uh, Tony's going to go into that a little bit more in a second. There's also a change to race control, and I'm not sure exactly what this means because the caution car just always pulls out immediately. I don't know if this means it's actually going to wait on the leader or if it just affects how it how it behaves if the leader happens to be that. in the pit. Yeah, he's going to pick up the leader no matter if the leader's in the pit or on the track is the kind of the way it reads. Yeah. So the pace car is now able to detect if the real race leader was actually in the pits and it detects if he came out. Um, and it also fixed an issue where the pace field placement so that the leader is always inserted into place behind the pace car instead of whether the pace car was parked or waiting just outside. It just takes care, I guess, of some freakish issues that are happening if the leader was was in pit lane when the caution came out. Um, they've also fixed an issue with drivers starting the pits, not being able to get out on the track, especially with longer pit lanes. Also, uh, they fixed an issue where missed starts cars were being released behind the fast pack instead of the slow pack. So this is com almost considered an exploit. If you're a GT3 car, you could not grid and jump out on the field in front of all of the other GT3s that actually took the pack, took the uh, pace lap. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they've fixed some issues with dynamic track surface where they were getting, uh, they were being calculated too cool. Uh, there's some changes in heat racing that has to do with advancing an entire field from qualify to the feature. Um, something's new with the test session. You can do weight penalty adjustments from, they've changed it from five kilograms to one kilograms. They made some adjustments to qualifying. Uh, they're still working on the damage model. Uh, some new visual effects, some new animations, or some fixes with animations. Some new telemetry values. That's really handy for broadcasters. Uh, and then some changes to cars, including tire models and a couple. Uh, there's a new damage model for one of the for the Corvette C6. 
And uh, it looks like they did some work on the Doom Damage model for the IR-18. And a bunch of new setups. And a couple of changes to track surfaces for Five Flags and, and Southern National. The animation one, it says, fixed an issue with a rather uncomfortable neck condition suffered by some driver body types while using some open-wheel cars. iRacing has footed the bill for these extraordinary chiropractors. Okay. Are they going to pay for uh, physical therapy for Barney when, it, when he needs his shoulder replaced? He's just swinging that flag left and right, right? He was definitely swinging it last week at Bristol. Well, hey, if he needs... Uh... Some therapy. Maybe he could uh, pay for it using Venmo. As you can pay for, as uh, David was saying, uh, you can pay for iRacing using Venmo. And I am probably one of the worst guys to talk about this because I don't know what Venmo is. It's a payment thing, probably similar to PayPal. <laughs> Someone uh, that actually has access to this want to take over? Well, Venmo is actually owned by PayPal. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's basically the same thing as PayPal. It's easier to use than PayPal, I would say. It's really user-friendly and almost kind of like a social media-like where you can kind of see what your friends send money to. And, yeah, it's kind of weird, though, and creepy at the same time. Is, isn't it possible with, like, when you're, like, phone-to-phone -phone to be able to, like, if you're around somebody to quickly send? It's like passing money. Around two with it. I, I'm not. Well, it goes through immediately. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, you can quickly quickly send money. Like, I, I hear a lot of people talk about it, like parents Ven Venmoing their kids' money, right? Right. Hey. So, like, uh, I got my kids on the phone bill and they Venmo me their monthly bill. Yeah. So, yeah, AJ, it's not, it's not available up here in Canada. That's why we don't know about it, Tony. I've never heard of it either. But uh, AJ, would you use Venmo if you went to this e-racer market? Oh, I would definitely use Venmo, probably. Uh, e-racers market is a website marketplace where sim racers and community buys and sells. This is definitely something up my alley. I'm always looking to upgrade stuff. And uh, I guess you could say I might be doing it on a budget. So this is a good place to, to look for uh, people buying and selling um sim racing products this is cool so this is uh parker kligerman and his group have put this together uh he put this out on twitter this week uh hey this is an idea we're kind of throwing around tell us what you guys think and so it's like you said classifieds for sim racing is this like the gr uh, grid finders you find leagues this is the same type of site kind of finding equipment Exactly. Or a, a, a Craigslist of sim racing equipment, yeah. Awesome. Ha having, a, having a name like Kligerman behind it gives it a little bit more marketing and credibility, probably. Something maybe a little more than the Facebook marketplace. <laughs> now, I've clicked through here, and there's not a lot of stuff up uh, to begin with, but, you know, it is like a, a week old, so let's keep that in mind, too. Is the e-racer... That thing's under Kligerman's name. I, did, I thought it was him and Castle had that, wasn't it? It is. Or was yeah. it just Kligerman that was first? I think they're partners on it. Okay. What's neat is you can do a grid view with, you know, uh, pictures, a list view, or a map view. So, like, uh, you know, if you're looking for wheels in your area, in the Phoenix area, I could actually pull up a view like that. 
freaking cool. It'll it'll be cool when people use it and we get a lot of people putting their hardware on it. Um, you know, Facebook Marketplace is a good place that kind of consolidates some of these sim Facebook groups where you buy and sell stuff. This could be a good challenge for that. Well, I think the Facebook thing is a little toxic, though, when it comes to trying to sell stuff. Everybody's everybody's allowed to comment on it and degrade it, and then it kind of loses value sometimes in those things if you're not careful uh, just from people talking. But this kind of, maybe this takes out the negative context and it's just basically people contacting the, the, the seller because even Parker Kligerman's got a, a wheel up, up for sale on here. That's a, That was exactly my point. This is definitely probably a... You know, it's a better one shop stop. You know, it gets you through some of those weeds of, of the Facebook marketplace. You know, you you can go, I'm looking at the website here, you can categorize it's all categorized and price and new and like new and use and all you know, all those things that you'd like to filter through. This website has got it. It also looks like it does have public discussions under the bottom there when you go into like one of them. So you can see people that do comment about it or ask questions about it. I just found a sim experience motion simulator, $9,900 in Los Angeles. Wow. I kind of like, I, I, I like this idea. This, I, I, let's hope this kind of gets some traction here because it's, it's nice when you, like I think Facebook is a little cluttered with it. This one you can at least, you know, find what you want and, uh, you know, quickly sort through it. Yeah, I'm definitely bookmarking this website. It's eracr.co. Are they letting, it's not just like US based or anything like that. It can be from anywhere. I, I can't, I, I can't see why it not. I haven't seen any limitation like that. Next up uh, in the forums, Kyle Rizinko is taking a survey on the forums to gather data on the correlation between account age and I rating and is asking for as much data from the community for a school statistics class project. And I thought this was interesting because I want to know what the results are, actually. And I don't think he's uh, published the results yet, but hopefully we'll get those. Yeah, I haven't seen anything yet. I, I filled it out. I don't know about you guys, but I, I did uh, fill out his survey. And uh, I'd like to see how it winds up. You think the older they are, the less I rating? I mean, that's probably the consensus of what people might think. I don't know. Wouldn't you think that people who've been around longer in iRacing would would have better results than than uh, the newer newer uh, members? Yeah, maybe. I don't, yeah. I don't fit that mold because. <laughs> so who's who's the oldest one on here? That's me, and I just tanked my ratings <laughs> actually. So. So you've crossed that line. So it's going to happen for me soon, and that's what you're saying. Well. Our two youngest would be Adam and I guess uh, you there, AJ. So I mean, Adam's got one of the highest high ratings on the team, and Morley Morley would be young too. It was around my age, and I think is Rochette. I guess they would. Yeah, we would all be the younger ones. So there's probably no correlation. <laughs> now, now, if, if I'm not mistaken, it, it's going by your iRacing age, right? How long you've been in the sim, not how old you are in years. Oh, is that how you read it? Yeah, that's how I read it. Because oh, yeah, it says account age, yeah. Yes, oh. yes. You translate how long you've been a member into how many months it's been. So, like, if you've been a 10-year member, you would be 120 months. I yes. see. So what you're saying is the longer you've been on here, the less iterating you'll have? 
No, I think the longer you've been on there, the better eye rating you should have, right? Or, well, or maybe I think that would work, but the amount of times you go up and down, and you end up, you end up. That's true. It looks like, like for someone like me, Mike, uh, Mike, you've been around for what over ten years now, too, haven't you? No, and six, Brian, you've seven. been around. Brian, you've been around for a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was at uh, I think I was 128 months or something when I did the calculation. Like I'm, I'm 11 plus years, but um, I find that I've pretty much you find out where you're exactly where your eye rating is going to sit. Like my road eye ratings changed over the time, but my oval eye ratings kind of just leveled out over the years here. It hasn't, it hasn't gone up or down. So it's basically put me where I, I you know, probably where I'm supposed to be over long periods of time. Right. Generally you can have some streaks, but unless you're, you know, trying to run some kind of car that's just not in your wheelhouse, you're going to, settle in where where you probably belong you can have your good races and your bad races yeah. um this is really noticeable when i'm in when i'm on the roadside because there's no cautions on roadside it, the the car number is actually a little bit more of a predictor right oval can be um uh, well this track just happens to suit or the or the cautions just happen to fall your way or there's enough wrecks that you really advance but usually if you're a low number you tend to be faster than the guys, and if you're a high number, you tend to be slower to the, than, than the guys around you. Well, and I used to take advantage of this on the road courses in the cup cars, right? Like for ovals, when you used to be able to get the oval eye rating. Now you just can't do that, so you're back to roads. So it's kind of kind of makes that even more, even that out. Um, one thing that this survey doesn't take in consideration is league league racers. You know, league there's you know there's guys who do league races all the time, and their I rating never fluctuates because because uh, it's not uh, calculated into your I rating. So, um, you know, I, there's probably quite a few people who've been on the service a long time that stick mainly to league races and, or hosted. Uh, yeah, yeah, or hosted. Like- the last guest on Aftermath was that way, right? He basically doesn't do official anymore, if I remember. Yeah, there are a, a bunch of people like that. I mean, you're right, Greg. I, I was I'm three thousand to thirty five hundred I rating on Oval, uh, and it I've settled into that over the years, and that's really where I was. And then this last fall, I decided to try a couple cars that I'm not very good at, and now I'm at twenty two hundred I rating, and so. Um, but I, but I I suspect if I don't get in those cars and I just run the A car, over time I'll gradually get back to that three thousand to thirty five hundred. Yeah, I'm having that struggle with um, road cars. Um, I, I like driving different cars, and you know I might have a certain skill level with this car, and then you try to jump in another race in another car, and you realize you might not belong, and there goes that I rating I just gained from the last race so yeah i'm sure everyone's got to balance and then also if you put all your time and effort into one car you know you can search for that peak where you can really get to hi guys uh so jr motorsports uh dale jr announced on twitter that one of their drivers josh barry uh took the victory in the late model race at tri-county motor speedway and uh he was sporting some i-racing colors on the hood of his car so uh so that's pretty cool. Josh, he, he, it was a 75-lap uh, uh, NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series um, at Tri-County Motor Speedway. It's a .4, four-tenths of a mile uh, oval Saturday night. Uh, and uh, this is uh, Josh's second appearance in the uh, series this season. 
that's a nice looking car. It's a simple white paint job with this interesting orange and green design down the side, but just to have the eye racing on the front hood uh, of that uh, Camaro looks really good. Um, I kind of like that. Um, I mean, Dale Jr. has been pumping Josh Berry a lot up the last little while too here with him being, you know, being an owner of him and driving him for the Xfinity series. So, uh, you know, if he's doing good here and hopefully he can translate into the Xfinity series and maybe get a ride uh, down the road somewhere else, I want to see him do really well. I don't know about you guys. Hey, are you just blowing smoke about the paint on that car because it has an iRacing sticker on the hood? Because that's ugly. I thought it was a little ugly. The colors are weird. Yeah, but it's these paint jobs aren't these like high class paint jobs. These are these are just like simple elementary late late model paint jobs. Well, yeah, no, no, and I I totally get that and can totally respect that. But to be honest, the iRacing logo on the hood looks totally out of place with the rest of the color scheme, just because it's a you know it's a really bright lime green with a with an orange. So you're saying it looks like one of Mike's color cars. Kind of an afterthought, <laughs> you know, like oh, we had this, we have this car, and oh, let's let's put the uh, you know a sponsor on the hood, and it's like last we're not going to repaint the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's all I'm saying. Like it, it just doesn't fit all that nicely. Um, I mean, yeah, everything else about it, sure, whatever. That's 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 cool. It's just it just looks out of place. So that's why I just wanted to kind of call you out on like, oh, this is a nice paint job. Well, it's, it's kind of ugly. I want I'm trying to. What is it all? I'm trying to find out what that sponsor is. It's on the back there. All things auto racing. All things orange and green. Actually, um, I think that might be the series. Um, I'm looking it up right now. This car would have been fine, just white, is what you're saying, Tony. Oh yeah. <laughs> or maybe with a white, a red and blue stripe down the side. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna guess that the other, the other colors are either team colors or the other sponsor. They may have a, a secondary sponsor in the back quarter panel there. Well, he's obviously, to. they've obviously done the eight car digit on the car to match that paint, right? Maybe they can take some of that race winnings there and, and put some splashes of blue and red. So, yeah, um, all things automotive, that's actually his, sec- his other sponsor other than iRacing. That's what it is. Is that what the color of the site or like what this thing is? Does it look like that color? Yeah, I'm not sure what their what their logos look like. Um, yeah, but it looks kind of like a almost like a Gatorade car. It's positive Thursdays, Tony. Positive Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was being positive. Well, if if you have any sense of nostalgia, you don't think these other cars are ugly, and and uh, we have a throwback ga- cup actually coming up. Uh, Greg West posted it, and it's going to be with the 287 cars, and it's going to be a 400-lap race at North Wilkesboro. And they're running the similar start times that all the enduro races have been starting at over the weekend. Can you tell me what Eastern time these start times are? I don't. I can't figure out GMT if my right. life depends Five on Five hours it. plus. Or no, four minus. now. Four now. It's a four now, sorry. Four, once, we go down, once you go to like Daylight Saints time, it's four, because GMT doesn't shift. So you add four, you subtract four. So okay. from what twenty-two from whatever GMT time is. What's so GMT time? It's Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> um, 
Now you ask, you the, shall receive. They're calling this the throwback race here, but how much longer does it sound like North Worksboro will be a throwback racetrack if you kind of listen to the Dale Jr. download this week? Well, did, might... you listen, did you listen to Door Bumper Clear? Oh yeah, because they they actually dropped today that they're they're considering one of uh, it was Marty Smith that was suggesting tear the asphalt up and make that the dirt track. Yeah, there's there was two different things this week that were shot out about the about this track. Just sounds like they're not going to let that track die now. Well, back up back to the throwback cup. There's four start times. Uh I'll let y'all do the math if you want to figure out the exact start times. I bet money most of you will run either the Saturday 7 GMT which is really actually that's pretty late. That's some that's almost an Aussie time zone. Um but pick a time zone. It's you got to have a D four point license, so basically, effectively a C. Uh, it's the it's the throwback cars. Thirty minute practice, attached qualifying, four hundred laps, dynamic weather, and it's got the standard NIS penalty limit of seventeen and twenty five. Splits are done by I rating, and the setups are open. Field size thirty two. Okay, Mike. Here we're gonna we're gonna translate this for you. So it's it's eight o'clock Friday night, Eastern. All right, for uh, three o'clock Saturday morning in the in the early morning Eastern. Yeah, that's an Aussie time. <laughs> Eight o'clock in the morning Saturday, and then noon on Saturday. I see Eastern. That'd only be available for the Friday night, but that would be conflict with NIS, wouldn't it? That's going to be a long race, four hundred laps at North Worksboro. I think I'm going to miss this one because I'm going to miss the Wednesday race. Or NIS, so I can't miss Friday. So yeah, I'm gonna miss this one. I was thinking about running it too. That'd be a tough, tough race. Holy cow, 400 laps in those cars at this track, and just 400 laps in those cars. I hope it doesn't turn into a caution fest like last year's Rockingham was. Because <laughs> if it took that long, it would not be epic. Well, no, it may not, but. Uh, there is an epic uh, little video short out featuring Josh Rogers. And uh, I can't really comment a whole lot about the content, but the production value of this thing is pretty darn good. They put together a nice little video um, kind of showcasing Josh Rogers. Um, <laughs> dude is fast, and, and this video will tell you that. And it does... Uh, Got a lot of nice little eye candy. I, I was really impressed with with how they they put this together with all their cuts and um, very very professional looking. And then it was a good story about how he got added to the team he's on. Um, how they had an opening, they decided to bring him on and different things, and you know the story about that basically. And that commander. Place is like a purple house. Everything there yeah. is, is so purple in that place. You you think that the colors messed up on the cameras, but it's not. It's good tinting. The, the the shirts give off their own light. It's pretty cool. The whole idea of the sim house, and you know, they all just have a big room with a bunch of rigs in them, and yeah, the whole concept is just cool, and it's kind of neat to see it in the video. You know. All right, next up. Hey, our good friends at GridFinder are sponsoring the GridFinder Invitational number three Daytona 75 on April 10th. 
including a livery competition. And, hey, Mike. Uh, sorry yeah. to sorry to interrupt here. Um, Gridfinder are, is actually hosting this race. Aha! Not just sponsoring, but hosting. And uh, man, trucks at Daytona, and there's prizes for the winning team. Seventy-five laps or eighty-five minutes. Um, I think they're broadcasting too. Yes, they are. So I I put up a a link on our Facebook page. So want to know more information on how to sign up and you know the, join their Discord. Um, click on the link on our Facebook page. Uh, you can't miss it. It's got the it's got the ad for this uh, for this event. Um, yeah, go get signed up. It looks like it'll be a good time. Okay, pretty cool. Check that out. Well, guys, it looks like Greg West posted in the forums of the details for the 24 hours at Nurburgring that will be held on April 23rd through the 25th. Looks like we've got a... Uh... Oh, I'm looking at the wrong... I just pulled up the wrong time slot. There it is. So it looks like we've got four time slots. Um, got to have a D. It's the normal road. Ones. Yep, okay. Got to have a D 4.0. Uh... The sim time, uh, the sim date, time, and date settings is probably important to people. It's April twenty fourth, uh, time of day. It's starting at two forty five, so you got a couple hours before it gets dark there. You're looking at uh, GT three, uh, GT four, and TCR class cars, as well as that G that nine one one GT three cup. That cup car is a handful around that track. Any of those. Porsches are. <laughs> that track is a handful. I can't memorize it. This isn't one you guys usually do, is it? This, no. is, the four, this is the 14 mile track. Right. Yeah, the Nordschleife. Nordschleife. So you guys aren't are doing it or no? Oh, no. Uh -uh. Um, also, just anyone that was listening, those times that I listed off earlier to Mike to get him for Greenwich Mean Time are the exact same times this event is taking off at. At least they're consistent. Now, the level of difficulty is extreme, right? Is that why you guys don't run it? That's a long, like... It's just hard to memorize. It's an eight-minute lap or something like that, tour, if I remember correctly. And you're doing that for 24 hours over, say, three or four guys. It's That's, the true, that's a true endurance race. <laughs> I prefer and, uh, the tracks that I can memorize uh, the way we, that... Uh, that we're good at. I and I, I imagine once you leave the GP circuit and start hitting the Nordschleife, there's probably no lighting, right? It's got to be dark. It's yeah, it, lighting, was, right? it would just be headlights. It'd be like there's Lamar. There's no lighting, and there's uh, it's hard to know what visual references tell you as which in, in which corner. It's just it's so easy to forget where you are and and take the wrong braking mark and or even enter the corner on the wrong side. You know, it's it's just crazy hard and. Uh, way beyond me i had to try to learn it last year though i ended up not being needed and i was happy that i wasn't because it took me about an hour and a half to actually complete one lap time without an x see the the that was probably, that, i'm sorry that was probably in good conditions too right dave yeah that was Sunny, in yeah. yeah see if, if i was going to compete in this event i would find the slowest car so that you have the best chance to figure out where your braking points are, I guess. So the TCR. But they also have the worst brakes then, too, of all the cars that are on there, too. I don't know. It's it. 
anybody that competes in this event and, and, and gets through it, kudos, because that 100 incident limit, and then you get after, uh, then after, for every 20 after uh, to keep getting a, a drive by, that you could, you could have 20 incidents in one lap. Yeah, that does not sound like fun to me. I know there's like some of there's there's a lot of people who are like just super fanatics of this track and they just love it. And they probably know every, every square inch of it, but I mean, I don't know how many people that's really going to be. Well, and just recently, the uh, um, I'm forgetting her name right now, but the famous female uh, racer that knows this track off by heart and does a lot of testing at it, um, she just recently passed away. So kind of a, you know, she's she's known to that track. Yeah, they they referenced her in the um, in the Porsche uh, Super Series a couple of times. I'm sorry for not remembering her name. I can't I can't remember it right now. So David, what else was hard? Well, well, we're going to jump from the largest track of the surface to the smallest or one of them, right? It's actually kind of large for a dirt track, but yeah, we ran dirt all week last week, and we're just going to we're going to cover it in topics instead of just results. And just see what everybody thought of their first adventures with the A-car on Bristol Dirt. I didn't think it was a good idea when I first heard about NASCAR doing this. And um, I pretty much thought I would choke really bad. Um, But I didn't. I actually ran pretty good. And so I came away actually a little astonished and pleasantly surprised. I went into, I guess you guys had run the Wednesday and stuff uh, in a couple opens the, the, before we got to Friday night. I ran Friday night, and I was going to come in about half an hour, 45 minutes before the race and practice, and never, right, someone came over or knocked on the door, and I had to go answer it. And by the time I got back down, it was retired to race. So I basically learned how to drive the track during the race. And I'm going to tell you, I don't, I'm not a huge dirt guy it's just not something that i normally play around with but for some reason sliding these cars sideways and door to door with somebody um especially in vr and when you're looking out the side of the the car at at someone beside you there's something just awesome feeling about it um and and you know dive down to the bottom of the track and pass somebody and doing all that stuff with this car it's kudos to NASCAR and and them coming up with all this stuff uh, to try this at Bristol and then iRacing to quickly in, implement it for us. Um, I think it was a fun week. Um, I don't think there's many people that are going to be too upset about it. And the, the, one of the things that was kind of fun is the cars are pretty adorable. So you could mess up and endure somebody, uh, but still be alive for the race, right? Even down horsepower. Uh, I was running in a race with Garrett Maines, and he was down to, to 1,900 RPMs and still won the race. Yeah, uh, as long as you didn't get a meatball in these races, you just keep going, man. It, it, the car would hold up. Matter of fact, you might be better off with a little bit less horsepower. You might have a little bit better throttle control um, when, you're, when your horsepowers are lower. I remember hearing Clint Boyer talk about stories where, you know, some of these dirt race drivers, they would purposely, uh, you know, t- slow their cars down just to just to run them faster tom dryling he uh he basically runs three events a week um and so when we ran sunday night 
he basically figured it out. He finally got that. He it finally clicked where, oh, I got to hold the throttle down and leave it down. And I just got to turn the wheel. And it finally, you know, that clicked in his head and he figured it out. And he's like, man, I want to start the week over now. Now that I figured it out, uh, I want those races back. Something I did figure out, though, actually, is you do want to let off the throttle before the corner so that you don't go into the corner so fast that you just go flying up it, whether you got the throttle in or not. So you still let up about the same place you would when it was pavement. But then once you actually turned into the corner, you had to get back on the gas or, or it wouldn't turn. It'd just go sliding. Man, I wanted to hate on this so much. Um, like, I, I wasn't even going to race. And then I got talked into it, and I was ready to swear at the, the guy's... Uh, the last thing we heard was swear at the guys you dropped out. Well, I guess that's a probably good enough to just leave it at that. Just swear at the guys. I was listening to you race, Tony, uh, that night, and it sounded like you were enjoying it at some point. You were being competitive, too. Mike, that was like that was probably the most fun I've had on this sim in, in quite some time, like in a, in a you know, in a race, in especially NIS race. But yeah, I had an absolute blast. I was pleasantly surprised. I had a lot of fun doing it too. And um, I did get to run the Knoxville Nationals last year with majors. And that was a nightmare because it was my first time ever. And it was in the 410. And I didn't have the wheel set up right or anything. And finally, when we got about halfway through the week, I figured out the the trick that I talked about last week about turning the wheel resolution down to get it to get better response. Um, and that came in real handy this week. And I shared that tip with the teammates and I got, I heard a lot of positive feedback on that. I liked, uh, the other thing is, is we're all not dirt racers on here. So we all had lower dirt license too, which was kind of nice. Uh, I know David, you kind of had a little bit higher. You ended up getting the top split a couple times, but I got to race. Wow. I got to race with, Tony Rochette and Chris Scales, which I never get to race with. Like it was, it was awesome to race with different guys on our team that uh, normally you wouldn't be. Uh, we're not in the same splits or times to race. I started uh, actually. I had never run an official dirt race. I had the rookie license with a 1350i rating. That's where it starts you at, um, and I got P- P3s in the first two opens I ran. Uh, including one with Garrett Maines. So, vroom, right up there. By the end of it, I now have a C license with a 1750i rating after just one week. David's going pro. You guys heard it here first on the podcast. No. I, I, I've actually decided I'm going to try the Knoxville Nationals um, in, in the official iRacing Knoxville Nationals this year. Now, Brian, you came in hot at the end of the week because of your hardware issues. Uh, you got some quick uh experience and kind of thrown to the fire there i mean what were your impressions uh when you jumped in yeah so yeah i didn't get my headset it was delivered like sunday evening so i didn't really get a chance to get everything set up so i missed the race but i did get some time on it i ghosted with you guys and i was uh, spotting for you um i thought this was a pretty good representation of of what this car probably was really like on dirt um the the way the track uh, blew off especially in, in the corners you know it would change the dynamic of the track and uh you could actually after a while you could actually run the bottom so you had 
different grooves that were opening up. Um, yeah, I was pretty impressed with it. I thought I thought the track did really well as far as uh, being dynamic and keeping things interesting. And uh, you know, the cars were as much out of control as you would think for a car that's you know even with their their spoilers not like super high downforce like a sprint car would be. So uh, yeah, I really I really enjoyed what I, what little time I got on there, and uh, I thought it was a it was a it was a good very good representation. The other surprise of the week, I think, too, is, you know, why, why, why does it take NASCAR bringing their car to dirt for us to like dirt? Why didn't we like dirt before this? Because we're NASCAR people. <laughs> I think it's the same argument we have about the road courses now and when the big, when they had, like, they were talking about this on the download as well, is we go through spurts as NASCAR fans. Like, we like... When they when they designed the first you know cookie cutter mile and a half track, then like what five or six of them popped up, and we like watching those races. And and now we're trying to get back to short track racing. And then what do they do? They get a, another road course, and it's exciting. And now they go up to six road courses. So you know, does this gonna add a whole bunch of dirt races? I don't think so. But I think we're just I think it's just whatever we jump around to. We kind of enjoy at the time, I don't think it actually, you know, it's something that's going to last forever. It might just be something we're going to have one race a year. that's on the schedule. It's always a dirt. Though driving that cup car at Bristol was way different than driving the 410 at Knoxville. They were, it was a whole different kind of not on the same edge. Well, in that cup car, you can really get that thing bent out of shape and still be able to bring it back at that track. It's not unbearably, hard to drive it sideways but to make time you have to find the right angle to get around the track at but i think the best part of the dirt racing is the change in the track and trying to find the grip like it that's that's where the the best racing came is when when start some areas went away you'd slide up further up the track and if you had to run the real high you could get a lot of speed out of that or you could run real low um but being able to switch your lines was a big uh, a big thing that made the pat it made the best passing too, right? Yeah, and for both the real world and the sim world, it was it basically was more driver driven and less engineering driven. You're not working on ten thousandth of an inch tolerances at a dirt track, right? It either you, you just kind of it's there's no point. You're not working on that fine tuning of an aero package. And you didn't have to worry about when, who just pitted and got tires. You didn't have to worry about fuel in it. It just drove it. It, it, it's, it ended up being like, you know, it's a driver's track. Hey, guys, um, at the end of the month, the World of Outlaws sprint cars are going to be at this Bristol track, the real one. And uh, that is going to be one heck of a show. Those cars are going to be going so fast around that track. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a dangerous track to to, to have those cars on there. They'll be going eleven so fast. seconds. Or... Have you tried it with that four ten yet on that I think track? It was, no. They were talking about fourteen seconds is what they were going to run. So fourteen fifteen second run, but that's pretty fast for a World of Outlaw car around a half mile because they wouldn't have a track that big ever that they would run on dirt, would they? Yeah, there's oh, yeah. some half-mile yeah. tracks. They're just not quite that banked, I don't They're think. They're not banked. Okay, it would yeah, be banked. Yeah, you're get, right. Sorry, you're right. It's yeah. really hard to get that banking on a dirt track. I just think it was cool that 
how progressive that banking was too at Bristol. Like you're, you could technically be down on the apron and still be digging around there. Well, it was less banking, but there wasn't an apron really at all. Um, if you could get way, way further down, there was no blue line when you came out of the pits, right? As soon as you exited the pits, you were on the surface. You didn't have to worry about an unsafe rejoin. Especially on the restart, that that low, low line where you're almost in the flat part, you could gain a couple of positions down there. So, I, I think the verdict is it it was pleasantly, su- surprisingly more fun than any of us thought it would be. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it was a lot of fun, and um, as a novelty race, sort of, if you will, you know, something that they do one time a year. I think it it can it can last you know, into the future as being a regular event. We already know that they're going to be doing it again next year. So I kind of hope they do it at night um, in the real race because uh, I think day, day dirt tracks just get too dry, too dusty. And um, I think at night, it, yeah, and the glaring on the windscreens and all. Um, yeah, I think I think they'd be better off at night. I hope they wind up doing it that way. All right, guys. So in a little bit more of a somber note, somber note um, the iRacing community uh, mourns the loss of William Marsh. He was from the Sim Racing Paddock. Um, so uh, there's a couple of videos um, uh, remembering William. Um, one of them was from uh, Boosted Media. Um, that's one of the sh- one of the channels I go to on a regular basis on YouTube. And uh, Will Ford is uh, is the gentleman who is the uh, who does Boosted Media, and uh, he had a really good video that. Um, that talked about William. He was a real close friend of his, and uh, everybody's really sad to hear the news of his passing. Yeah, he's only 28 years old, and so this has kind of come out of the blue. Um, and he's got a man, a great YouTube channel, um, Sim Racing Paddock. Um, we've on this podcast have benefited from William Marsh and his videos. We've covered his videos and talked about them on this show over the years um and uh boy we've lost a a real talent here definitely sad news i'll pick up the next one oh nope here he comes we'll let tony pick it up he's literally hopping right back in his seat as we speak live radio guys because it's april fool's day tony say what (laughs) don't fool the fool well okay so we're uh we're we're talking about this formula v coming to i racing now from the uh, scuttlebutt that I've been reading on the, on the forums and and Facebook, this would be a pretty terrible uh, April Fool's joke. So has this been confirmed that it is actually coming, or did they just pull the wool over our eyes for this uh, new rookie class car, open uh, open wheel car? So in the forums, the uh, the staff members are playing it straight, like this is a real deal, even though it is April Fool's Day. But you got to remember, they announced dirt on April Fool's Day in the past, and we ended up getting dirt. Yeah, well, and that, and that's what I was saying. Like this would be a terrible because there's a lot of people really excited about this car, um, and it being a good, uh, you know, a good addition like to that rookie class. Give give on the roadside, you got you know two choices, right? Like a just a regular type road car, and then you got the open wheel. So let's hope this is not just a a joke, and you know. We'll see. I think they they even they even said June that they're we can expect it by. 
there isn't actually an open wheel rookie car, is there? Everybody just runs the Mazda and then decides Skip. if they want to go open. Skip. Nope, Skip's not open. Skip's, Skip's it's not. not or our Skip's not rookie. rookie. It's no, it's, it's a D class. Oh, because yep. it's only the Solstice is the uh, in the Mazda that runs the rookie. Solstice and Mazda, right? Yeah, I, I I hope that this is real, not. I mean, they took the time to make a CAD drawing of a Formula V car. If so, you um, if you look at it, like Brian, when you were going here, I was just going to make this point. It's scanned. This this is like this is in the CAD program. This is exactly the same angle they always do their stuff at. I would guess it's it's in the works, but you know they're they're pretty good. April Fools with iRacing, you never know. Um, they've had some pretty interesting April Fools over the years. But I, I believe this is probably in the works with the way that the details scanned on that. How yeah. cool is it that it's a free car? It says here specifically it's going to be free. Maybe that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. April Fool's, you got, a Ven- you got a Venmo me money now. So actually, a friend of mine actually owned a Formula V for he raced it for a season, and I watched him race it at at uh, Summit Point in West Virginia. And they're pretty cool cars, so I, I hope this is a real deal. I, I'll, I'll definitely try it out for a few races. What kind of motors are in those things? It's Volkswagen motors, uh, air-cooled, just like a you know, Volkswagen Bug. They sound oh, like so bugs per- on, on steroids. So they're probably pretty good on fuel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and their emissions are pretty good. <laughs> so do we trust it or not? I would say it's coming, but what else... Did we get fooled on today, AJ? Well, apparently good things come in small packages. Apparently yes. That's, apparently that's what Fanatec is uh, saying. DD 0.5. A new Fanatec DD wheel? I, I, like, how they, <laughs> I like how the uh, April Fool's joke is, but you know, if you're going to buy that from them at that price, there probably is nothing inside that box. It was real. <laughs> The now, packaging for, is usually about that. For the podcast listeners, I'll describe what we see here on the screen. It's a Fanatec, a Fanatec podium wheelbase, but it's half the size of the normal podium wheelbase. And so they call it the DD 0.5 for $350. She called it the DD stubby. I think the hashtag soon in the bottom corner is the dead giveaway that it's fake. Well, click the tweet where it opens up and look at the first reply to it from Thrustmaster. Uh, give it a little shade. Yeah, <laughs> their social media banter is great right here. Thrustmaster coming at uh, Fanatec. Yeah, it says the joke is that it's affordable? Question mark. Well, you get what you pay for, right? <laughs> a direct drive wheel for $350 would be quite interesting. Okay, so the next one was on Facebook, and it was Midwest Simulations, our friends over there, which, by the way, you can get the spotlights if you use the coupon code Irishers Lounge, 10% off. But uh, Midwest Simulations announced their latest product, the Spotlights BFL. Tell that clown who punted you exactly what you think of their driving from up to 50 miles away. It includes your own generator so you can wield the power of the sun directly to their bedroom window. The BFL is in limited availability. Check it out at MidwestSim.com. And it shows a giant spotlight that's got the silhouette of 
Guess what? The middle finger. <laughs> the, the bat symbol? The finger like symbol? the bat symbol, right. Do they have this... They, they got the size for VR yet? Got to make a little bit smaller package for the VRs. No, that, is, that, one, that one's for VR, too. <laughs> okay, and then we had the Dogatech wheel instead of the Logitech wheel. The K923, the first racing wheel for dogs. It's got Chew Force technology, which fetches in-game data for enhanced gameplay. Brings the checkered flag with a checkered wag. Developed in partnership with Pups Everywhere. This this, this was a Tony Rochette favorite. Uh, I think it was. This is probably one of the more clever ones of all of them, just because of the, the the amount of time that they put into the video and everything too. Uh, they got packaging. They even have a wheel in a box that says Chew Force on it. It's got the paw print on the uh, set center logo. I just like the uh, dogs with the camera streaming racing. It looks funny. Well, the camera, the dog's sitting at the wheel, uh, yeah, supposedly <laughs> driving. And we also have a eraser.gg posted a throwback troll from uh, I, that actually came from iRacing, where they announced they were actually going to have an iRacing mobile. Yeah, this was one of their best ones. Wasn't there a? Wasn't there two guys that used to make videos um, of a new real racing one too that used to come out on April Fools um, that we got every year? It was like something 2.0 i can't remember what they used to call it but it used to be really a really good production video then too oh yeah that i remember that iRacing 2.0 this one was six years ago the iRacing mobile um and they and uh yeah kind of neat to look back at uh, history and see what they've done in the past but like i said they've done dirt they announced that on april 1st and now we got this formula v it looks real Okay, podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget the Aftermath podcast is out there. Get it, guys. And our website is iRacersLounge.com. Don't forget to get the links, guys, and go to there and uh, check everything out visually. And I did mention the Midwest Simulations. Uh, Don't forget the iRacers Lounge coupon code for 10% off. And we are on the Performance Motorsports Network. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Well, I guess the biggest question I'd like to ask everyone is who picked Larson? Me. I did. Me, me. I picked all the dirt racers. (laughs) They were in that one wreck. I know. Half of my field was wiped out in that one turn. I was, it was so like bittersweet for me because I was like, oh, L- Larson got taken out. And I was like, yes, because <laughs> my lineup was hurting up to that point because I, I, I stayed right away from him. I just, it was just a gut feeling. Um, and yeah, that gut feeling paid off. But you know what? It sucked that he, he would have won if he didn't, uh, you know, if he didn't get taken out. It would have been a heck of a battle with, with him and Bell. Those two are getting around the track really, really well until they didn't but um yeah i i mean good news is is that they're going to do it again next year so now we've got some history to go on uh you know for next year um this 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 was uh this was tough like i i just i i picked um I think Kyle Busch was the only one in my in my lineup of you know any of the the normal front runners and uh, the rest of them, like I had, you know, Austin Dillon and, and um, 
Stewart in my in my lineup just to I, I was just totally playing it safe and um kind of expecting a, a, a lot of people to get taken out. Well, who would have thought I mean, if I kind of put Truex in after I saw how he did in the truck race, that kind of helped give it a little bit of data, but um who would have thought Stenhouse would have been a pick? Um uh, I had Bubble, Stenhouse. Bubba Wallace was doing pretty good uh till he got that tire cut down uh late in that race. Um I didn't know how jo- how Joey was going to do in that race either cuz um you know he had no experience. He talked about he had that one race and did some of that stuff but he had no other prior experience on dirt so I didn't know to to have him come out of it but it just shows you that those guys are so good at figuring stuff out too, right? So GI Jojo is 29th um when you look at Bristol picks. So falling through the ranks fell down to 4th. Uh, I had a pretty good run. I'm up to 13th in points. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm just one ahead of you, Mike. I was able to bump myself up to 12th place. Um, that, that's okay. That's actually not a bad position for this time of year. Um, there's going to be a lot of movement, uh, <laughs> and that movement's not going to stop because we've got those road courses. we got Coda coming up that we know nothing, not too much about. I mean, a little better data just because it's a road course. Um, but they've, they've never raced these cars there. This, this is, uh, this has been a tough year. It's going to continue to be tough. Um, but man, oh man, it's, uh, it's, it's, this is fun. This is a lot of fun this year. So, so much strategy. Dwayne MacArthur was third in points at Bristol dirt. Nice picks, Dwayne. Mike, how you been doing this year with uh, keeping up with the race and and get and making use of that garage pick? I haven't. I my picks have been static the whole year, and I work on Sundays, so I haven't been switching people in and out. Well, wow. and you, the crazy thing is here, the next four weeks we got two short tracks with Martinsville and Richmond, Talladega, and then Kansas. Like that's there's three of four track types there um, in those four races. And, you know, that's going to be hard to pick from for the next little bit here. It's, I, I, it's going to be a little better than, you know, kind of what we've been facing up to this point, because we kind of, you know, things are still obviously shaking out, but um, and we got the, we got a couple of short tracks coming up and we know, you know, we know the guys that are that are good at short tracks, and I think we're we're back to back with them, which could help because you know kind of expect those guys that are going to be, you know, good at uh, it's Martinsville and then Richmond, correct? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Martinsville's yeah. not this weekend, the following weekend, and then Richmond after it. Right, right. Okay, so you know, there we got we got potential of guys getting on hot streaks, going from Martinsville to Richmond. Um, so you know, there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something going on there that could possibly use, and then, um, well, Talladega, you, you, there's, I don't know if you really want to call it a formula, but crap like, shoot, I, yeah, exactly. Roll the dice, you know, save some picks possibly, um, and then, yeah, Kansas, uh, which which could very well be interesting because you got two short tracks and you got a plate track. 
and then you've got a, a mile and a half. So the the short tracks and plate tracks are, you know, what what's the temperature of these drivers' emotions going to be like heading into Kansas after you know those three races? So that could also, um, you know, be a be a factor in in this. So. It, it, this is exciting, man. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, there's, there's so many variables here. Um, just get It's going to keep everyone on their toes. Well, and we're seven races in seven different winners. Guys like Hamlin, Harvick, uh, Keselowski. Um, who else, who else hasn't won? Uh, Bowman hasn't won there. There's guys, there's seven, there's seven playoff spots taken without even, um, getting you know right on seven of 16 are taken and you're gonna probably need a second win to guarantee a spot it looks like this season the way it's going yeah like what what i've been you know trying to you know talk about every every time it's come like you know every time that i'm on is you know trends and it's 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 hard to see those because we just haven't seen you know a lot of those trends starting to happen. Usually we've got a little bit of something to, to go off of by now, but nope, not this year. Not this year. There is one trend, and it seems to be Larson. Larson's car seems to be up front at every race so far, and that's let's see how long that, if it's going to last all season. Yeah, yeah. And, well, that there's a problem with it. Yeah, you're right about that. He, we know he's fast and my, my uses of him tells me that he's been really fast. So yeah. I got to kind of cool my jets with him, but you know, it's, I guess if you can, you know, if you're going to burn a guy up, you know, super fast, make sure that you're getting the most amount of points out of him for it. So, Oh, is what it is. Got to do what you got to do sometimes, but yeah. And no racing this weekend. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. We're going to talk hardware, software. Let's review Sparco. Brian. Yeah, so it's actually Sparco Gaming, which I guess is a new uh, division of Sparco uh, who does a lot of uh, raceware for uh, for, pe- for real racers. But they're introducing uh, this new Sparco Gaming Hyperdrive. So it's actually a uh, racing shoe for gamers. It's not really made for necessarily for um, real racing. Uh, so it's, uh, it's ultra comfort and max- maximum lightness to help your driving performance, uh, you know, at home or your rig. Um, it's coming in at 59 euros, so the price is in the euros, and uh, it's actually a pretty cool looking shoe. I, I, I've actually switched to just wearing socks when I race, so uh, I'm, I don't think I would do shoes. But uh, if you are interested in a racing shoe, um, that's you know, it's still going to be a lot less than a real you know fire retardant shoe would be. So uh, it's it's actually probably a pretty good option if that's what you want to do. Especially if you got that name brand too uh, on the side of it, the Sparco name brand sometimes shoots some of those uh, prices up, right? So, sixty bucks isn't bad. Um, I think when you look at the image of this as a gaming shoe, you kind of think, "Oh, is it going to have the RB RGB <laughs> effects on it or something like that?" But uh, this looks like a a very comfortable shoe. It kind of reminds me of the top of like it looks like a. Um, more of like a track running shoe with a sock top. It kind of looks like a sock rough around the ankle area. 
um, but it looks very comfortable. That's exactly what that top part is. I kind of equate this to like a treaded sock, like those little slipper socks you used to get for Christmas. I like this uh, color scheme. The orange on black um, reminds me of the MPI wheel and the seat I've been lusting over that I might buy when it goes for sale. Uh, this could be matching shoes to go with it. Well, and it only seemed to have one... Is it only one color scheme here from looking yeah, at Yeah, it only had one. Nero Rosso is what it's called. That's it's not a bad option. Like, you know, Brian, you switched to socks. Well, I used to I actually switched to running my my slippers, which are just basically a shoe. But and I, I used to run barefoot or socked, mostly barefoot. But uh since moving to the slipper, I've actually um found that i i almost prefer it i think i'm still i'm still on the fence a little bit but i'm leaning more now towards um you know enjoying the having the, something on my feet more so and something um something light and super flexible but still have a little bit of grip on the bottom um would be a nice added touch all right, and we got one more product from Sparco, a new Sim seat. Yeah, it's a Sparco GP gaming seat. That comes in at 460 euros. Um, not really sure much to, to say about it. It's a, it's a padded racing seat. Um, it kind of just looks like a, like a regular, um, maybe it's more geared towards a specific type car. Formula, uh, formula laid back, pocket. very laid back. The Sparko seats are comfortable. Well, they're calling it a GP seat. So is that a Grand Prix gaming seat? Is that why yeah, they call it Grand, GP? Yeah, Grand Prix as in formula. Yeah, but uh, it looks kind of like it. It looks it looks very comfortable for any of those other formula seats that we kind of look at. Um, this one looks a little bit more comfortable than a lot of those. True. Lots of padding. Definitely not cheap to add a seat to your rig, though. Nah, but it's a lot nicer on your tailbone when you sit for three hours. Yeah, we know that with the endurance races. That's the one thing when I was looking at the Max Papa seat, which I was looking at that last night again, drooling. It's really sits you straight up and down. It doesn't really sit back. It's more of the G, uh, what do you call that, rally car style seat. Well, GTs sit sit up. GT, right. yeah, they're straight up, straight up and down, yeah. But the, like the Sparco I have is it's it's a GT one, but it it's it's bucket seated, and so it, just the way it it contours with your body, it evens the pressure out where you don't have a pressure point when you're sitting for a long time. I'm guessing with those MPI ones, you probably could bracket, get a bracket and kind of tilt it back if you wanted to kind of have your legs sitting up a bit. Yeah, I, I went on a little tilt in it, so that's what I was thinking is maybe just, you know, just kind of tilt it as a, as when you mount it. Yeah, I have mine tilted back as far as it'll go for GT positioning. Results. Let's go through them. NIS. Let's finish up Bristol Friday Open. 
I ran, got P18. I had a good run going, top five. And then a guy who was riding the wall came off of it, doored me down. I went nose first into the inside wall, eight minutes damage. I was eight laps down. I was really bummed because I had such a good run on Wednesday. I thought I would have a good run Friday. David, you had a good run, P4. Yeah, I stayed top five the whole race. I just hadn't quite figured out where to go uh, on short runs. And it finished with a couple of green white checkers and every time I had off spots. Uh, but it was, it was nice to stay up there towards the front and not get uh, meatballed. Tony, uh, you also ran that night, P16. Yeah, yeah. My, my finishing position did not uh, reflect my, my full out race because I, I was... Um, uh, I can't remember where I qualified. I think I qualified like late teens, like pretty close to where I finished, I think. But uh, I, I was up top five most of that race, and uh, man, did I ever have a lot of fun. Um, I completely doored a guy out, uh, totally by accident, and uh, <laughs> you know, he was all cool about it. I quickly apologized for doing that because I just got the car just got away from me, and it's dirt, it is what it is. And uh, somebody knocked into me, I think. Uh, I, I should have wrote this down as soon as I got done the race, but um, I know I ended up uh, getting knocked into down pit road and uh, had to serve a penalty and stuff. So it put me, put me a little, you know, a couple laps down. And it was so late in the race, oh, 20 or 25 laps to go. I just, there's no way I could recover out of that. So yeah, P16, but man, was that a lot of fun. Sunday morning, I made a top split and was running top five most of the race. Uh, running towards the end, I uh, got sandwiched really hard into the wall and ended up getting an 18 second meatball required repair in like seven second or seven minutes of optional. Uh, I fixed it and went just one lap down, but then took it took a I just didn't finally get the lucky dog the way it worked out until the last green white checkered and at that point I had to start behind all the lap cars and had and ended up finishing P14. Okay uh, Sunday fixed uh, P6 I ran the back half of the top 10 all night um, only 10x uh, by being super careful and staying low um, I was as high as third place but I choked a bit on that final run uh, but man I think I had a fourth on Wednesday and then a sixth on Sunday so uh, a great week. Uh, Brian, you had a did not start. You were going to start the race, but uh, you were having goggle problems. Yeah, it's, it, I was just in a, in a rush to get everything put together, and it just it just needed some time to figure itself out, and I didn't have time to give it. Okay, and then Tyler ran with us, Tyler Williamson. P28 uh, was behind 29 laps after a great performance of my driving skill. He had one meatball, two black flags, three spins, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Bye-bye, Bristol. It's me, not you. I think Tyler said that was the worst race he's ever had. Yeah, if, if it wasn't for bad luck in that race, he wouldn't have had any at all. Now, you were uh, came in and was watching him, right? And uh, probably giving him some bad luck. <laughs> you might be right. Uh yeah, he actually. I, I once he was kind of like way out of it. I I dropped out of his race and I jumped into yours. And you did good, so maybe not. And he was still having trouble after I left. So 
Okay, so let's go into official racing. Let's talk a fix. Now I ran some. First, I got wrecked out. Second, uh, P11 got door slammed, was down to 1930 horsepower, was running dead last, and somehow finished 11th after a big one. So that just, I mean, I was gonna park it. I was dead last, uh, but I hung in there. Uh, the next one I wrecked out after, in two different races, actually. Um, and then the next one after that, a P4, I finally put a race together and finished um, in a uh, fixed. Uh, Kyle uh, Pendigraf ran with me in one of them. He actually got wrecked out, P25. I don't think you ran too many, David, did you? The A opens, I ran quite a few. I just don't yeah. tend to write those down. Okay. I I had, uh, most of them I finished towards the front. Like All right. I said, I was really surprised with how fun it, it was to run, so. I started opting out of running the uh, the road courses on the on the off times and started just running more more uh, A opens. Even on Sunday night, I ran a couple of A opens while y'all were doing the fixed. Okay, how about PDS Euro Sprint? Yeah, it's at Daytona this week, right? Two really good sports car races this week. There, IMSA's at Road America and Euro is at Daytona. And uh, first race, I took a win. I had a guy running I said did I sit on the pole no I didn't sit on the pole I started second and the guy that sat on the pole was just about two seconds ahead of me almost the whole race and I knew about the only way I was going to get around him was in the pits so I had the pit measured down to the leader and I uh, didn't even have enough gas to to finish the race I came out in front of him in the pits and uh he never got back to me I uh, took the victory that was that's victory 101 Bingo. Good good win. Uh, I ran the Dallara jet car, or the Dallara IRO1, as I uh, call it, at Hockenheim. And uh, ran during the day Friday. Um, there were 20 drivers. Um, I started P17. I made it to ninth in the first lap. The second lap, a guy from Finland runs right over the back of me from behind. Apparently, I brake too early uh, in these cars compared to others, but uh, yeah. Giving up my road rating to enjoy this car, but uh, I'm enjoying it. It's still their responsibility not to run you over, even if you break early. Yeah, he was apologetic about it. And, you know, still a new track to me. I was uh, still learning my way around. Let's talk league next. Fast Track Sim Racing League on Monday. I ran P3. I actually ran the back half of the top 10 most of the night. Not too much damage, had a good last run and gained a couple of spots. Uh, Bristol Dirt, again, proved to be very fun and I had a great run. Tom Dryling ran with me, he got a did not finish. He didn't finish. US, UCRA at Richmond, uh, I had another DNF. Uh, this one I spun off the late exit of two by myself, wrecked it bad, and then David, uh, UDNF later. Yeah, this one I was pretty, pretty mad I got you get some colorful language at myself on the stream if you watch the end of it uh, I sped into the last green flag stop uh, mad enough about that 40 second hold and then coming out I looped the car as soon as I turned the limiter off in first gear spins around I back around carefully and get get going get back going forward to avoid avoiding bringing out the caution and I'm up in second gear accelerating around the the apron and it loops again i guess the tires were hot or something 
bounces off the wall onto the track, brings out a caution. I reset and and um, yeah, it was just pitiful. Okay, OBRL cut Bristol dirt. Tony Gross. Yeah, um, the standout moment of this this race was uh, one of the restarts. Um, Scales and I were got to lead the pack, and actually, uh, I think I logged my first ever um, uh, lead laps. I you lost your audio. Audio. How about now? Am I working now? Yeah, we got All right. This uh, this keyboard's got to go in the garbage. Um, yeah, I've I've never led laps with uh, with the OBRL, and this was. We, we got to do it uh, last weekend, and it, it wasn't for too long. It was about, I think it was about a seven lap, five, five, seven lap run before I just started digging too, too far down, and uh, just you just get down too far and you spin it out, and that's what I did. I stuffed it into the, into the pit wall and pretty much destroyed the car. But, uh, you know, Chris, he had a good finish. I believe he was top five. Me, uh, by the end of it, I don't even think I did finish. That was a 200-lap race. That was huge. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Grid Finder. Gridfinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Let's get into final thoughts. AJ Pritchett. Well, all my thoughts are on Spa this weekend. They got a 12-hour race going there. I'll be piloting the Lamborghini with some of my buddies. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, have a great run. Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. I'm still a little bumped out about missing those races uh, with uh, with my headset issue, but everything's back together, and uh, you know I don't usually get a whole lot of races in early in the week, so I'm looking forward this weekend to catch up on some stuff. All right, very good. David Hall, final thought. Dropping on the stream, M-I-X-M-A-G-E at twitch.tv. Okay, very good. Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Uh, I don't know about David. Uh, if you're looking forward to this uh, Musket 250 this weekend for the Majors race, but uh, oh wait, no, it's not this weekend. It's two weeks away, isn't it? Yeah, we'll be doing the Modifieds yeah. at New Hampshire, but that's uh, yeah. the um, unofficial race, I think. No, we still got two weeks. I don't think we're going to Yeah, it's the time it I just looked it up. Um, but looking forward to that coming up in the next week here um looking up looking forward to martinsville next week uh racing and uh enjoying a couple days off on a long weekend here get some stuff done and enjoy the weather because it's getting nice finally okay very good tony groves final thought ah um Aftermath, we recorded an episode last weekend and we had obrl's Dwayne mcarthur on joined us for the episode and uh, we had a great discussion it was nothing but dirt that's all we talked about start to finish was was just dirt that's it but it was uh we had we had a blast it was a it was a fun conversation check it out okay very good my final thoughts uh man it's an off week and i can tell i don't know what to do with myself uh when it's 
race time, my wife's looking at me like, why are you still in the living room, you know? And uh, yeah, but that happens on off weeks <laughs> during the season. Uh, I think it's needed. I mean, I, I, I don't really like the off weeks, but uh, I don't want to burn out either. So we'll take it. We'll look forward to Martinsville. I'm going to miss Wednesday because uh, I got a prior engagement, but we'll run Friday night and we'll get it. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.